anytime you find yourself on the last day of a year, you, you start thinking circumspectly and you start thinking about what's next. And, uh, as I began to think about today, by the way, I had voice when I got here. I don't know where it went. And, uh, and, um, for, for varying reasons, I'm keeping this stool handy. That doesn't mean I'm going to sing. So just calm down. I'm singing like elf, but, uh, Um, but I got to thinking about what's next for us. And as, you know, as, as Nathan has alluded to, uh, this is the time of year that we think those thoughts. We think about what's next, what's, you know, we make resolutions that we know we're not going to keep. And, uh, and yet it's a good time to take inventory and to determine where we are and where we aren't with the Lord. And I thought I'm going in a little bit. I'm going to have you turn to Hebrews 12, but I thought about the the phraseology in that passage that says, "Lay aside every weight and every sin." Now, let me just at the outset here. Let me just insert this here. This message today is not a beat you up message. This is not intended to condemn you or me. It's not intended to be wagging the finger with hellfire and brimstone. But (laughs) as I always say, if the conviction fits, wear it. As a matter of fact, I think next Sunday we'll talk about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But I got to thinking about it. Of course, I've entitled it Running an Unencumbered Race. The Bible makes numerous references to this Christian life as running a race. Paul said, I have finished the race. And we've been to several, we will be this Saturday, have opportunities to be to several funerals, memorial services for people who have finished their race. And, um, you know, thank God that all of us have that opportunity. But you, as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, you are running a race. And that race is to, to win. And we'll read the verses in a moment. As we've said multiple times over the years, the life of a Christ follower is not a static experience. You don't just get saved and go sit in the corner and wait for Jesus to come back and try to behave every chance you get. Now, you know, behaving is good, but the the life of a Christ follower is not static. It's always ongoing. It's always moving in a direction. We're always running a race. And the, the life of a Christ follower is not static because when we were born again by the Spirit of God, we were born into a mission. Your birth, your new birth in the, by the Holy Spirit, you were born into a mission. And of course, that's Jesus' mission that he established and began while on the earth. He began this mission. He left it with us. He said, uh, hey, I'm leaving, but here's what I want you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. And that's our mission. Now, the culture of the age that we 
are living in, the culture of the world system would encourage us to confine our Christianity inside the walls of a religious structure and relegated to a particular day. The, the world doesn't necessarily care that we gather in a room like this and we worship God and we talk about the things. We, they just don't want it out there. And my pastor's always saying the greatest challenge we have in the church is to get the church outside the church and not huddle in here all the time. But the world would try to teach us, you just keep that stuff to yourself Keep it on Sunday morning and leave us alone. It also would encourage us and does encourage us, and sadly parts of the church does this, and that is to adjust our God to our ideas and our desires. The world, and again, sadly part of the modern church, wants to take Jesus and form him in a particular image that suits us. In other words... What makes sense to us? Y'all have heard people, and you've probably said things. Well, that doesn't make any sense that God would do that. So it must not be what it is. But if you read it in the Word, it is what it is. Just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean that it's not right. And so the world system would encourage us to adjust God. Basically, basically if you adjust God, if you, if you have fashioned him into your image, you have a false God. And thirdly, the culture, the world culture would encourage us to adopt a progressive view of life where this era's moral standards are different than yesteryear. Have you heard? Well, yeah, but my goodness, this is 2023. As if moral standards change as we progress through time. Thank you, Woodrow Wilson, for that kind of philosophy. But the world would try to get us to say what God said in the Scripture doesn't apply anymore because it's it's 2023 and soon to be 2024. And I hope we understand that a moral standard is not set to keep us from having fun. It's set to keep us living. It's it's to keep us enjoying an abundant life. You know, I've used this example and probably get tired of hearing it, but you know, if you, if you take your, your, uh, some of you got diesel vehicles sitting out there in the parking lot. And if you take that thing into the gas station and you put gasoline in it, It's not going to run very well. It's just not going to do well. It might run okay for a little while, but ultimately it's not going to work. And you could say, yeah, but it's 2023. My diesel should be able to run on gasoline. And it makes that much sense for us to say, well, the moral standards have changed because it's we've progressed. Now, we have progressed in some ways. But God's, God's standards are still the same. I, I, I don't want to come across as a fuddy-duddy, although I am. Uh, I don't want to come across as just an old ogre, and I think my grandkids think I am. 
But I want us to understand that when God sets a standard for us, it's it's for our benefit. (laughs) Okay, Hebrews 12. And uh, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 17, although we're not going to cover that entire passage. uh, So you can breathe easy. If you would stand while I read from the English Standard Version. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which cleans so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I'm going to pause right there. If righteousness exalts a nation, do you think it's possible that righteousness exalts a Christ follower as well? Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no chance to repent though he sought it. With tears, you can be seated. Just a little sidebar there. We see that the repentance is actually a gift from God. Okay. He said, therefore, and so if you go back to chapter 11 and you see these saints uh, that were looking for a better country, you find uh, examples for us. You read, we call that the heroes of faith in chapter 11. You see examples of those who ran the race. And when they finished their race, they hadn't completed the mission. 
And it teaches us that their, their mission is completed with us. We sort of join with them. We also see encouragement in the lives of these saints in chapter 11. We see some who, it said, some get, they got their, their dead back, and we get, saw some that were sown in two. He said, well, wait a minute. How come God would redeem some and resurrect some and allow some to be killed? Well, you just have to take that up with him. But don't go saying, that doesn't make sense to me. Because, no, it doesn't. But what makes sense to me is that God's smarter than I am. And I got news for you. He's smarter than you are too. And these, these saints had one goal and that was this, this city, this country. He called it a better country. And they were running the race and they're examples for us. And so he says, therefore. And then I, this word came to me, lay aside. Lay aside. Lay aside every weight. All of us, in varying degrees, deal with things that weight us down. Now, if you say you don't, then we'll trade places. But all of us, and some have, some have real bondages to weights. And, and of course, as our title indicates, this weight that the writer of this, by the way, some Spurgeon and others think that Paul wrote this based on, wrote Hebrews based on using again a racing analogy of the games here in Hebrews 12. That weight is what we're calling an encumbrance. An encumbrance is some kind of a burden or a bulk that just weights us down. An encumbrance is whatever deadens your soul. And hold you back when you should be pressing forward to the upward call. Sometimes we want to move in a particular direction with God. And we're dragging something that won't allow us to do that. The imagery here is the games, is a race. That the race, those who are running a race would take off every article of clothing they could and still be decent. To run the race. If you've ever been around anybody, and some of you are, who run 3Ks, 5Ks, marathons, get a hold of their shoes. The ones who run a lot. Get a hold of their running shoes. I mean, they weigh nothing because they don't want an encumbrance weighting them down as they run this race. The encumbrance can also be called an impediment. It, it impedes our progress. And some people deal with bondages that cannot let them go any further. I mean, I've dealt with people over the years who had particularly maybe a drug issue. And they just, they just wanted to get free from this thing, but they couldn't. And it just held them back. It just held them back from, from progressing. I'm not going to go into the Greek word here, but the preposition for this word that he's using, is a marker of disassociation. Uh, it's implying a separation or a rupture from a former association. The truth should help us picture what we as believers should do. The idea is that we should place some distance between the old life 
or the former lusts which were ours when we were ignorant of salvation. Peter wrote this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Again, this is not wagging the finger. This is pointing out that when we can get free of these encumbrances and these weights, then we can run the race the way it was intended to run. And we, we don't have to spend all of our time trying to get free from something. He, he also says the sin. I know that in today's church we're not supposed to use the word sin, uh, but I'm going to use it anyway. He says, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares or entangles us. We should deal with, I saw something I was reading, they said, said the people are teaching heresy when they say God doesn't convict, when they say God convicts a Christian of sin. This guy was saying God never convicts a Christian of sin. Well, it's one of those, okay, what God are you talking about? Because sin's the very thing that will entangle us. It's the very thing that will hold us back. Again, it's not you nasty, vile person. It's wouldn't you like to be free? Wouldn't you like to run the race being unencumbered? The word is hamartia for sin, and it just simply means missing the mark. There's a mark that we're aiming for. Jesus sets that mark. And we're aiming for a particular uh, moral standard. We're aiming for a particular way of life. And when we miss that mark, it, it doesn't mean that you're robbing banks and killing people. But if you miss that mark, even just a little bit, by definition, that is sin. So he says, lay aside. By the way, I want you to understand that lay aside is something we do. It's something that we choose to do. Now, as we've said so many times, when you choose, make a choice in God, then that's where he meets you. He will meet you at the point of your choice, and his grace will take you from there. But he's not going to choose for you. Lay aside. Lay, choose to lay these things aside. Whatever it may be that you're struggling with. Whatever it may be that you struggle with in the past. Whatever it may be that you're struggling with now. And he says, lay it aside and run with endurance. Run with endurance, the race set before us. Uh, once again, and it's the only time I'm going to have you do this, turn to 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, but again, this is the Apostle Paul writing in the, the about the games. And he says in 924, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He Receives the prize who finishes the race. Now, obviously, he says one will win. But how many of you know we all run the race and we all win? I'm not competing with you and you're not competing with me. But we run the race as if we're the only one running. And you can't 
You can't say, well, what about them and what about them? You know, when you stand before the throne of God, he's not going to be saying, well, where's your, where's your wife? Where's your kids? He's just looking at you. As an athlete, Paul must have loved uh, the games because he always talks about them. As an athlete goes through grueling and demanding training for the competition. If you've ever, if you've ever trained for any athletic event or any, any sport, you understand what we're talking about. That you have, you have to, I mean, we had to, in high school basketball, <clears throat> we had to run five miles every day when we got to, to our six period gymnastics and then practice basketball because you had to train. You had to have endurance. And when we got on the court, our coach said, I can see which one of you boys didn't run the five miles because he was coaching football. And of course, the ones that didn't run the five miles were the one of their tongues were hanging on the floor and the ones who had given themselves to the training we're going up and down the court without any problem. And so in that same way, the Christ follower goes through hardships. That's what 1 Corinthians 9 is teaching us. We go through hardships as we're training for this Christian life. Remember, don't be surprised, First Peter, for these fiery trials. Remember James, count it all joy when you, when you encounter these trials. So as we, as we apply ourselves We're going to encounter difficulties. Why is that? To refine our growth and to facilitate the advancement of the gospel. The Christian life isn't just going through religious motions. He said, I do not box as one beating the air. And sometimes we see the Christian life just go through the motions, you know, do religious things. Paul is saying, I discipline my body. I keep it under control. I don't allow, to the best of my ability, my body to dictate what I do and don't do. The desires of my body. Once again, Paul writes, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, nobody, nobody should leave here today guilty or condemned. Because we all struggle with our flesh. You read Romans 7, Paul struggled with his flesh. But, my goodness, let's don't give up. Let's don't say, well, because of that, I'm just going to let her, let her rip. Let's apply ourselves in discipline. Paul gives us a list in Galatians of what our body desires to produce. What our, what our flesh desires to produce in our lives. Oh, this is an ugly list. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, oh me, selfish ambition, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and if that's not bad enough, and things like these. <laughs> and see, when we see that list, you say, well, man, I, I, I don't... I don't do any of those. Oh, wait a minute. Fits of anger. Okay. No, I, I don't. Oh, wait a minute. Sexual immorality. You see, we have set that aside in today's culture. We have, we have, uh, abandoned moral purity. 
and it just drives me crazy. When I hear, find out of Christians who've abandoned uh, the moral purity and the standards that God has set uh, in the name of my God is 2023. Because it doesn't matter if it's 2023 or 23. Your life, the quality of your life is going to be dependent upon your ability to discipline your body and not let every weight and sin encumber you and weight you down. For those, well, I used to have a voice. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. It's an easy formula, for lack of a better word. Those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. The question we have to ask ourselves today is where have we set our minds? Where have we aimed our, our uh, needle on our compass? What have we given ourselves to? Now, I'm going to tell you that when you set your mind on the things of the spirit and not on the things of the flesh, you're going to have a better life, but you're still going to falter. Because you're a human being. So the question we have to ask is, where's our focus? Where is our focus? Well, he says in verse 2 of Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus. Where is your focus? Fixing our eyes on the Lord Jesus. Looking, the word there in the Greek text really means this way. Looking away from all distractions. In order to fix our gaze on one object. Looking away from those things that would weight you down. Looking away from the sin that so easily ensnares or entangles you. Looking away from that and fixing your gaze on the Lord Jesus himself. That's where our focus has to be. And I'll tell you this, that even though we are human beings and we will falter in our lives, if you will do that, you will have far more success in your Christian life. He's the captain of our faith. And he endured the cross. And he said, it says he disregarded the shame. He thought little of it. So what shall we do? What, what are we going to do? Here we are, the last day of 2023. What shall we do? We're not going to turn, but Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, for us to present our bodies as living sacrifices. Present our bodies, our whole, our bodies to God. So that we are not encumbered by those things that weight us down and the sin that so easily entangles us. He goes on to say that is our spiritual or reasonable worship. Again, we said a few weeks ago that obviously worship, it goes far beyond coming in this room and singing songs. Worship goes far beyond the uh, sacraments that we perform here. It goes far beyond taking communion and all the things we do. And all of that is good. We're going to keep doing it. But it goes far beyond that. When you give your life to Christ, 
as a living sacrifice, that is your worship. Reasonable and spiritual. Of course, he says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Saints, it matters what you give yourself to. It matters where you set yourself. It matters where you present your life and how you present your life to God. Again, we're not going to turn, but 2 Timothy 2 talks about God desires us to be vessels of honor. He says this, if he who cleanses himself, he who cleanses himself from what is dishonorable. He said, well, can I do that? You remember we used the example here that if, if I go down, I say, I'm going to go down and wash my car. And I drive down to the car wash and I get out. There's a few of these left. I get out and I go sit in a chair and they wash my car for me. And then I get back in my, my car and I drive home and say, where have you been? Well, I washed the car because I presented it to them. This is how you cleanse yourself. You become a vessel for honorable use. And in the Timothy, it says that you become useful. Everybody say useful. Useful Useful to the master. If you're giving yourself to wood, hay, and stubble, you're not going to be useful to God. You're going to be getting in your own way. And the quality of your life is going to suffer. Oh, Lord, help me. Paul goes on to say, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Well, I'm strong. I'm strong. I can resist all that. No, you can't. Paul said to Timothy, here's how you are. You will resist being encumbered by youthful passions. Run. Run, Forrest, run. You don't try to be strong. You don't try to outsmart them. You just run. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Ephesians says, do not give the devil a place. Do not give him an opportunity. So, to finish up, what shall we do? Well, we present ourselves to God for sanctification and holiness. Separation, we we, we live a life that's of separation to God and the separation of the believer from evil things and evil ways. A second thing we do is revolt. Everybody say revolt. Against the residue of sin that dilutes our usefulness. Just say, I'm not, I'm not going, I don't like that, I don't want that in my life, and I choose to set myself on the things of the Spirit, and I choose to discipline, discipline my body so that the things that would normally weight me down and entangle my steps would not do that anymore. Revolt against everything that is incapable of achieving results in your life and is useless for the purpose of God in our lives. Call out to God from a pure heart. 
you know, you don't just call out to God when you're in trouble, or we do. But if that's the only time you call out to God, then you don't have a pure heart. Call out to God from a sincere heart and say, I, I don't know how to get past this. Some of you in this room have dealt with some serious addictions. And you just go do the list and somebody in here has had one of them. And the way you get past that is, is not just, there's different ways, but you start by saying to God, I can't do this. You have to do it. I give myself to you. I lay aside the thing that's weighting me down. I abandon it. I revolt against it. And then you watch what God does. Avail yourself of the dynamics that you've been provided as a follower of Jesus Christ. The dynamic of the spoken word. The dynamic of studying the scriptures. The dynamic of prayer and intercession. Fellowship. Worship and praise. I'm not talking about just religious exercises. I'm talking about giving yourself to that which will transform your life. We all have avail availabilities of all of these things in our lives. And if we just gave ourselves to these five things, spoken word, studying the scriptures, prayer and intercession, fellowship, worship and praise, if we just gave ourselves to those five things, we would have far more victory in our lives. So you can be prepared for every good work. I'll finish with Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship. We are his work of art. Created in Christ Jesus. And why were we created? For good works. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. No, we are not saved by our works. We don't have, we can't even get one iota of salvation through our good works. We are saved by the grace of God, not the result of works, but we're saved to do good works. We're saved to apply ourselves to the path. We're saved to lay aside whatever it is that's going to weight us down. Whatever it is that is so easily entangles us. And a number of you are thinking right now when I said that, you're thinking of something that so easily entangles you. And thank God there's a lot of you in this room that are thinking of what used to entangle you. And you've gotten victory over it. Thank God. Again. The intention of this message, I think, by the Lord, is not to make us feel bad, but to make us feel good. Find that place of victory. To find that place where we're not encumbered by all the stuff. So as you approach 2024, then let's just let's do whatever decisions we get, make our decisions, choices we have to make. And let's, let's set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And, hey, let's... let's uh, Walk through 2024 in victory over all the things that would hold us back. Stand with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you give us the scriptures. We thank you for all of these examples that you have given us. And now we pray for the grace, the power, 
the ability to do what we've seen in your scripture. We pray for the ability to to lay aside that weight, to lay aside that sin that so easily entangles us and gain victory in you, finding an abundant life that we never knew even existed. Lord, I pray against condemnation for anyone under the sound of my voice. I pray against anyone just just feeling guilty. Of course, if your Holy Spirit is convicting us, then we would allow, we would say, do your work. But I don't want anybody walking out of here, nor anyone under the sound of my voice, to feel condemned or guilty, but that we would all feel challenged. We would all feel directed by the voice of your Holy Spirit. Help us in 2024 to live that life, not only that honors you, not only that embraces your path and your standard, but then that allows us to experience the fullest of abundant life in you that can only be done when we lay aside all the other stuff. Thank you for this time today. And I pray in the name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.